Hello, friends, and welcome to Mendu Disney, episode number 48, Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo. Teak. I'm Pete, and joining me tonight are Matt. What's up, everybody? And Tom. How you doing? We're three guys who want to help you make the most of your Disney World vacation, as well as to bring some of that Disney magic into your life every day. So put on your favorite pair of Mickey ears, lower your safety harness, remain seated until the ride has come to a complete stop, and men, let's do Disney. So no smart comments for me regarding the title or anything like that? Well, you know what? As a as the only Disney dad among us, I'm going to give you a pass there. All right. So tonight we're going to talk about Disney rides for kids. And we're going to kind of do this in a top 10 format. Although I don't, I don't think they're really going to be in top 10 order in any shape, way, form, or fashion. But before we get into that, let's go, as always, to Tom with the news. Tom... What exciting Disney news do we have this week? You know, I'm actually going to swing it back to you and Matt because you two have been pretty passionate about some changes taking place with plastic bags and Ziploc and straws and all the other things under the sun. Well, I'm just, I'm curious about one thing. So we get this Splash Mountain Ziploc agreement that hits the news this week. I think it hit the news today. Was it today, guys? No, it was Tuesday or Wednesday, I think. Okay, so about the same time frame, we hear that Disney World, by this time next year, will have zero plastic straws. And so I just, I, I find myself wondering, some plastic's okay? I, I just think this whole epidemic is crazy. Well, well, not only that, they're not only eliminating plastic straws, which Disney apparently uses 175 million plastic straws. They're also eliminating plastic stirrers, which apparently they use 13 million of those. But they're also eliminating other plastic products, plastic shopping bags. They're going to go to refillable in-room products, so shampoo, conditioner, that kind of stuff. They're also getting rid of polystyrene cups. So a lot of environmental changes from Disney uh, coming in the next next couple of years. I think it just is, it, it speaks to the landscape right now that if there's anything controversial that you could potentially be on the wrong side of, you just got to bite the bullet and you just got to say, you know what? I don't want the bad press. In this case, I don't think ba- like bad press is good press. I mean, a lot of times you hear people say any kind of press is, is good press, but Disney definitely made a statement here with a lot of other large um, companies and corporations in the United States. I think the biggest downfall are the plastic bags from shopping, limiting those or, or doing away with them in, in total or outright at least. On our last Disney trip, I don't, maybe, maybe we're weird, but I mean, we like keeping the plastic bags because it's kind of, you know, we buy an ornament each time and it stays in that Disney plastic bag and and each Christmas we pull the ornament out and I don't know. I thought, I think the plastic bags from the stores are almost like a souvenir in themselves. I agree with you. I mean, that's anytime you see one of those Disney bags coming home, you know, what's in it. It's a Disney souvenir, right? So I I agree. I think that's going to be a, it's going to be a big change, but you know, whatever, this is the environment that we live in today. I don't want to get into the political side of it because there's a lot of this going on throughout the United States right now. And But, um, you know, whatever. This is this is how what Disney's doing. And so no more plastic straws. I guess we're going to go to the paper straws that they have at Animal Kingdom. Yeah, another uh, bit of news that is a little bit outside of the park, but it's is if you follow Disney in any capacity, you probably saw that Disney and 21st Century Fox, uh, Disney did acquire them, and it looks like the stockholders have approved the acquisition. Uh, the, now, circling back, this can impact the parks because you look at what's happened, you know, with Pixar and with uh, Lucas Films 
and how that's impacted your park or will impact your park experience with Galaxy's Edge and and now correct me if I'm wrong but I believe Avatar was a 21st Century Fox movie uh, and so that allows them to kind of run run rampant with whatever they see fit uh, in the future over there in Animal Kingdom so I think the the why this is exciting for park goers is because you will see you know additional things in the parks uh, you know we we have Marvel movies uh, coming to Disney's parks. That's what I was going to say is that all the X-Men, all those movies were Fox movies. So Disney owns that now. So I'm assuming Disney has the rights to the X-Men now. You know, how, now that, that sometimes shakes out and, and I don't want to get into the whole legal side of it, but anything prior to the acquisition oftentimes will be protected. Uh, like Marvel is one of those that Universal has some characters and Disney gets others. I'm not sure how it shakes out with 21st Century Fox, but you... It'd be cool to have X-Men, but I, I, don't, I wouldn't bank on it at this point. That may be something that's protected. Well, moving over to uh, diving into Epcot, I know we've, we've discussed Illuminations. I, I was sitting there about to say, I was trying not to say Fantasmic for some reason. We've, we've discussed Illuminations maybe be getting kicked to the curb and a new show coming. Looks like permits have been filed for construction around the World Showcase Lagoon, which only points to most likely doing away with Illuminations at some point. Uh, there's not much out, and again, it's a rumor, but anytime you see permits filed, that means Disney's going to do something. I, I believe I read where it was something like a $2 million project, uh, and it'll be involving drilling a pipe from the south side of the lagoon onto the man-made islands for electrical upgrades. You, If you're a listener of this podcast in any capacity, you've probably heard me mention that I'm not a huge fan of Rivers of Light, so I hope that Illuminations replacement show is, is just as good, because Illuminations has been around for, what, 20 years Pete or Matt, I, I don't know off the top of my head, but it's been around for quite some time. Yeah, it's been it's been a while, and I think it's time for a change, right? Yeah, I I, I think I mentioned it on the two trips ago that we actually stayed and watched Illuminations, and I forgot how much I liked it. No, it's not a it's not a bad show, and 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 again, it's not something that absolutely needs a change. I would argue that they need to do something with Rivers of Light before they do anything with Illuminations, but. Illuminations is significantly older than Rivers of Light is. So you know, I agree with you. I like I'm not a Rivers of Light fan though, so that it's easy for me to agree. But yeah, Illuminations, and I and I'm I didn't stay to see it on my last trip to Disney World, and, and we had kind of dinner plans and, and that kind of thing. And I've seen the show many times, but it, it's kind of like the Great Movie Ride where we rode it and not realizing it was the last time we were going to ride it. I hope I get back to Disney before they do away with Illuminations, and I do think it'll be some time, but. Uh, like I said, when permits get filed with Disney World, that means something is coming. Uh, another big piece, and Pete hit on this a little while back, but it looks like the My Disney Experience app has been updated with the bus time schedule now. That's a huge benefit, and, and this is one thing we stressed. Just because a bus is arriving in 15 minutes does not mean you should get to the bus stop in 15 minutes expecting to get on that bus. Uh, there's still going to be lines. You still need to kind of prepare. So if you see a bus 15 or 30 minutes away, maybe go ahead and go to the line, uh, and you'll have a better chance of getting on that bus that you're kind of scheduling. Uh, however, this does help with planning your day and planning your morning, uh, especially if you're, you know, waking up in the morning and trying to get the crew going, or or you just missed a bus and you have an extra five to ten minutes where you can kind of get things together. This is a good addition to the app, and I hope it works really well. You know, Disney tracks all those buses on a GPS device, so you kind of assumed at some point this would happen because Disney knows where those buses are at all times, and they can change route at any time. I'm interested to see how this impacts how often they will change a bus last minute. Because if you have it on the schedule to be somewhere in 15 minutes, and then say you have it going to contemporary, and then you realize All-Star Sports is packed, you can't just change it for All-Star Sports then. Because those people that were waiting for contemporary probably planned around that bus. The, um, the last bit of news we have is related to 
some annual pass holder changes that, that have come out this week. Uh, looks like it's a VI pass holders, a VIP kind of perk program that's been announced. Looks like Disney's trying to give back. That's one thing that where I think Disney has received negative feedback is they don't do a lot for their annual pass holders. Uh, but it appears that they're going to have extras and giveaways during seasonal events, as well as sneak peeks of select new park offerings. Uh, so it will be limited and it will be something you actually have to register for through an email link, I believe. It's not something you're going to go on the website and do. It'll be an email link and it, it looks like it'll be you know extra magic hours. Uh, at Magic Kingdom and Epcot are the two parks that I've kind of seen where they're going to take this on. Some of the dates I've seen are August 5th in Magic Kingdom, September 6th in Epcot, and then October 25th in Epcot. And essentially, you're going to be in the park two hours after it closes. So if it closes at 10, like Magic Kingdom, you'll have you'll be able to be in there until 12 a.m. And Epcot, you'll you'll have from 9 to 11. So that'll be cool for any, for anyone who's an annual pass holder. So I don't know if this pushes me over the edge because it is going to be, you know, kind of one night, one off night kind of seasonal seasonal offerings. But I think if I was in state, certainly would take advantage of these. And we do have listeners in the state of Florida, uh, which actually takes me to the next bit of news for annual pass holders. Looks like there's a select pass that's been announced for Florida residents. Uh, I know we have a, a big follower in the Florida area. He should probably jump on this. Uh, it looks like it will be, I think, 325 days of access at select theme parks and at least 175 days of access to all four. Uh, it looks like this pass will come with some set block out dates and it will not be able to participate in the VIP pass holder stuff that we just reviewed. But it looks like it's $439 for the year and it can be financed at $29 per month. So pretty cheap and you still get 325 of the 365 days at Disney if you're in state. I've just got a couple of takeaways from this. So you mentioned three days or three dates for these parks. That's all that's been announced right now. So they're going to be packed. You think of all the annual pass holders that you have in the state of Florida. I mean, these things are going to be. But I believe they're going to. They're. It's going to cap at a certain. They are going to. They are going to limit it. But but you're still going to have as many people as you would have at a Mickey's Not So Scary or yes. at a. Yep. At a very merry without all the other events that draw people away. So I, I don't totally know that agree. there's I don't know that there's going to be a huge benefit to this. Not only that, you've got no Hollywood Studios, no Animal Kingdom, only two Epcot dates and one Magic Kingdom date. It, it seems to me that Disney can go a lot further on this if they really want to give back to their annual pass holders. There's a lot more they can do than just three days this year. So, something is better than nothing is the way I'd spend. I agree, and and I'm not an annual pass holder, but if I was. Again, I don't know if this fires me up to put me over the edge to become an annual pass holder. It certainly isn't to that extent, and that's a really good point. But it is. If I already had an annual pass, I mean, that's something I didn't think I was going to get. So, but I, but I also will point out that Disney has said that select dining shops and attractions will be open. So there's not even a guarantee that everything is going to be open during these special events. Yeah, and I should have added that in. There, there will be select dining, and the dining restaurant, the uh, the restaurants open will have unique offerings. It won't necessarily be their daytime menu or their daytime dessert offerings. There will be some special things at the event. Uh, that is that's a very important detail I left out. I've got one more piece of news. If that's all you've got, and it's Hollywood Studios. Star Tours is back to offering completely random ride experiences now. You know, all the uh, all the sh- all the tours would end in Batu, which is where Galaxy's Edge was. They've moved away from that now, so now they're uh, they're back to totally random uh, random ride experiences. Yep, good point. I, I did see that. I watched a, randomly a POV the other day, and that's where I. I, I did see that as well. And and also Disney did say that pretty soon guests are going to have the ability to 
choose what Star Wars era they're going to want to visit. So you're either going to be able to pick the original six movies, so the original movies, the three pre prequel movies, or you're going to be able to pick episodes, what would that be, seven, eight, and nine? Yeah, that'd be neat. That'd be interesting to see which one people like the most, and I'll, I'll just go to the, the shortest line. <laughs> Because you like them all. Absolutely. There you go. So any any more news? That's it from me. Um, one of the things that I'd like to make note of tonight is um, we have a new sponsor. I would like to welcome Kingdom Strollers. Matt and Angela are great folks. They're located in Orlando. Kingdom Strollers is the best option for strollers in the Orlando area. You can't beat their prices to deliver the strollers directly to the room, uh, whether you're staying at Disney or you're visiting another part of Orlando. Please give them a shout at Kingdom Strollers if you are in need of a stroller for any of your upcoming Orlando trips. Traveling, traveling with a stroller is not a fun thing. So the more that you can get when you're in the Orlando area, the easier your journey is going to be. So definitely recommend checking these guys out, seeing what they can do for you. I mean, Pete, could you imagine going to Disney World without, without a stroller? Not at this point in my life. Anyway, with, without further ado, we'll pause for just a minute to hear from both of our sponsors, Kingdom Strollers and Destinations with Character. So your family is coming to Orlando, and the thought of lugging your stroller onto the plane isn't your idea of fun. But you're smart enough to know that conquering the theme parks of Orlando without a stroller for your kids could be a vacation killer. As parents ourselves, we get it. You're not asking for much. You just want the convenience of a clean, affordable stroller or crib delivered to your hotel or vacation home, ready to use. Welcome to Kingdom Strollers, a Disney-featured stroller and crib provider that does exactly what you're looking for at a great price. To book your stroller or crib, just click on the item you'd like to reserve and select the dates for your rental. We run a tight ship, so we will never overbook. Next, tell us where you're staying and choose the times for delivery and pickup. Then, choose from helpful free accessories like cooler bags and rain covers. It couldn't be easier. If you have any questions or concerns, you can check our FAQ page or just give us a call. We are always ready to answer your questions. Once you've placed your reservation, there's nothing left to do except count down the days until you're in sunny Florida. So what are you waiting for? Go ahead and book your stroller or crib from Kingdom Strollers today. Destinations with Character Travel Agency is your one-stop shop for Disney vacations, cruises, and more. With clients ranging from the magic makers of Hollywood to the business executives of New York to families from all over the U.S., people trust the travel consultants of Destinations with Character to make their magical dreams a reality with the patience, care, and attention to detail they deserve. With over 50 years of experience in Disney and worldwide travel, are over 30 travel consultants trained to give the best prices and service possible. Destinations with Character has the tools to make the difference for you. Find out how to take the stress and hassle out of your vacation. Simply contact them to let the magic begin. Destinations with Character Travel, making dream vacations come true every single day. Visit their website at www.destinationswithcharacter.com or email them at info at destinationswithcharacter.com and be sure to tell them that the Mendu WDW podcast sent you. All right, guys, so let's go ahead and move directly into our main topic for tonight. This is a little off of what we would normally talk with. This is not a Disney dad podcast typically, but we're going to try to hit some Disney rides for kids, or at least Disney rides that we think are appropriate for kids. We're going to try to try to stay away from the thrill rides. As much as it kills me, I am not going to talk about Splash Mountain tonight. Tom is, is going to stay away from Space Mountain tonight. It ties in directly to you, Pete, and um, your wife and your upcoming Disney trip. You're not going to be able to do Test Track and Splash Mountain nonstop. You're going to have to act a little younger. Enjoy yourself as a kid. 
We have several years before we're going to bring my daughter to Disney World. I can guarantee you that. And and just because she's she's at the point in her life where she's really too young to appreciate it. Now, when she gets to be five or six, I guarantee you we'll be at Disney World because she's going to know who Minnie is. She's going to know who Mickey is. And she's going to go want to see where they live. But regardless, we're going to take our best guess. And a lot of these are going to be shots in the dark. But we're going to take our best guess at top 10 rides for kids. No particular order. 10 rides that we think are appropriate for kids. Where do you guys want to go first? Is there another place to go other than Frozen? I didn't want to start with Frozen, but but you're right. I don't think that there is a better place to start than Frozen. Frozen is, what, the most popular Disney franchise ever for 8 to 12-year-old girls? Maybe even younger, man. I mean, I'm thinking that thing stretches from 5 to 12. Oh, no. My, my goddaughter is 3, and she knows every song by heart. Well... That's Three impressive. To 12. There we go. <laughs> that is impressive. You've got a sequel coming out soon. You've got the Broadway musical hitting. I, I think you're right. I don't think there's a better place to start than Frozen. And the wait times show it. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I was going to add something too. And, and I know we're going to stay on Frozen here, but the Frozen sing-along, I'm going to lump that in now just so we, because that's another great place to take kids that revolves around the same premise, obviously. Uh, and Matt's talking about people memorizing and knowing the songs. But if, if you look at Frozen there in, in the Norway Pavilion, you're talking 100 plus minute waits. Just to speak to the po- popularity of this, I mean, I have the songs memorized. I have a I have a two year old, and it, it's a stark transition from the previous ride that was housed in this facility. But um, it's definitely one that if you have children, especially um, especially children that age three to twelve, you know, I definitely recommend that that might be the first place you go in Epcot because that'll really start the day off right. Yeah, they're they're gonna want to go see Anna and Elsa, and I will say. Get a fast pass for this ride. Please get a fast pass for this ride. The queue is not great. They've they've upgraded it since the Maelstrom days. It, it is a little bit better than the Maelstrom. There is some theming to the queue now, but it's still not a queue that you want to wait in for 90 or 100 minutes. Well, I'll tell you too, on, on the last trip we were there, and I remember I told you guys on the podcast, it was weirdly not busy. There was fast pass available all day, first Frozen. Which is bizarre. And I, and I think that probably had a lot to do with Toy Story Land being newly opened. Yep. I think a lot of the kids that would have been at Frozen were diverted to Toy well, Story Land. You know, well, the wait the wait time certainly was still long, but the fast pass availability was still there, which when we were Magic Kingdom the next day, we did not feel. So maybe it's slowing down. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Disney needed this Frozen ride in the parks. They needed some kind of Frozen representation in the parks. You know, it's one of those rides that has... It's entertaining enough to entertain both the kids and the parents. You know, you're not just going through. It's not like the the boat ride in Mexico where you're just on a boat ride. You're looking at characters. There are some other elements to this ride, right? There's a there's a drop to this ride. Certainly. Certainly. And that I think for a long time to come, there will be a, a draw to this ride. Okay. So Frozen, I think I think definitely deserves a spot on that list. What else? And we're doing this in no particular order, correct? Correct. Okay, then I'm going to be selfish and throw out Dumbo. Can I say Dumbo Dumb- for show? I mean Dumbo. Dumbo for, Dumbo for show. If you're if you're going to Disney World and you have small children, for show, you got to go to Dumbo. <laughs> and Dumbo over Aladdin. Correct. Over Astro Orbiter as well. And over Astro Orbiter. Now, yes. let me add something to what makes this better than what, what it was when I was a kid growing up. When I was a kid growing up, you waited outside. The line was ridiculous, and they only had one track, so they had one. I don't know another word for track. Anywho, they have since 
renovated. They have added another uh, set of Dumbo flying elephants. They have an indoor air-conditioned playground, and it's much more of a reservation system now. So instead of standing in a line, the parents sit in, in indoors, they sit in air-conditioned, the kids play in a playground, and your buzzer essentially goes off when it's your turn to ride Dumbo. So Pete alluded to Frozen being an attraction where both the parents and the, the child can enjoy. For different reasons, Dumbo is the same way. I, I know every parent and every adult at Disney World would love a minute where their kid can go play and get some energy out, and you can sit down in air-conditioned, and this offers that for you. So that is my reason why Dumbo, for show, is on this list. Not not my style of ride. Not super exciting. But for five-year-old kid, six-year-old kid, this is, this is great. I can still remember being young. And you guys might remember this. I don't know. But before you, you, know, you went to Disney World, you planned your Disney trip, Disney would send you like a, a VCR video to watch, like to get your kids ready for the trip. And I remember Dumbo always being so like predominantly featured. Yeah, this is kind of a quintessential Disney ride, and and rightly deserves a place on this list. Well, I'm going to stop being selfish. I'm going to turn it over to somebody else to throw one out there. All right. I'm going to go, it's a small world. You know what, Pete? I agree with you, though, because while you know the song can get grating, it can be a little annoying at times, and I would hate to be stuck on that ride for any length of time. At the same time, like the things that annoy us as adults, kids just love. But but not only that, I mean, I know that I've asked this question before. When was the last time either one of you went to Magic Kingdom and did not ride It's a Small World? <sighs> I was about to say last trip, but we definitely did. <laughs> I mean, as as much as it as much as it kills me to admit it, like I've ridden It's a Small World every trip, and and the ride really appeals to children, right? It's got a repetitive song that they can sing along to. It's got dancing children everywhere. It's got bright colors. I mean, this ride is perfectly designed for children. Yeah, I'm 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 hit. I don't know. I, I I don't know. I did see you know kids enjoy it clearly, but I think the other two for sure are much more enjoyable. If, if I was taking my kid to Disney. I think that, like, it's kind of, we're talking about with small children. I don't think you avoid this ride if you're taking small children to Disney. <laughs> I don't think you're going to get away with not doing it. I don't know about I don't think so either. I think this is a quintessential Magic Kingdom ride. Yeah, I don't want to say avoid as we're not going to do it, but I, I think walking away, if I asked, if you, if you pulled kids and said, what was your favorite attraction, highly doubt Small World would ever be listed. Oh, it's not going to pop up in their top five, but you got to do it. On the segue here, I'm going to move into... Um, another ride and this kind of goes hand in hand with it's a small world for me it's a ride that i really don't enjoy but looking back on my childhood we're not going to get away from tomorrowland speedway we're just not and hopefully by the time i have children that ride will no longer be at the magic kingdom but kids just flock to that man we've had conversations about tomorrowland speedway in the past it's been a ride that we have disagreed with vehemently it's been a ride that we've said should go away it stinks you can't go very fast. You can't really drive the cars that much. But but you're absolutely right. Kids love this ride. Kids love feeling like they're in control and driving these cars. Well, to go back to Tom's question earlier. No, Pete, it was your question. When's the last time you went to Disney World and didn't ride? It's a small world. I can't tell you the last time I went to Disney World and, and rode the Tomorrowland Speedway. But I know if, if I was taking anyone under the under the driving age of 15, 16... That even 14-year-olds are going to want to ride this ride. Well, look at the look at the line. Look at how long the line is. And that, I mean, it's obviously a very popular ride for a reason. You know, we always talk about getting rid of this traction as, as upgrading Tomorrowland. And I'm sure Disney would laugh at us and say, well, look at the wait time. Who, who's the smart one? I mean, this eats up a ton of people. 
one on the track and two sitting in the, in the queue. And we we kind of quickly put together our idea of this. And when we we discussed Tomorrowland Speedway, we all had to kind of agree that well, there's obviously it's popular. I mean, you parents, yeah, it's like listen. hold it's like hold your nose and and mm-hmm. just take your medicine. You, you talk about like our last episode, the Great Movie Ride. Somehow, some way, Tomorrowland Speedway still exists, and the Great Movie Ride does not. That makes me so angry to hear you say that. Can't tell you how angry that makes me. You hadn't mentioned the Great Movie Ride yet. I was getting there. All right, where do we go from here? Um, I I, I want to go to Animal Kingdom because kids love zoos. Kids love animals. Kids love Kilimanjaro Safari. And if nothing else, you can judge how much kids love Kilimanjaro Safaris by the amount of stroller parking that is outside Kilimanjaro Safari. I've never seen the stroller parking lot anything underpacked. This is another one that, in my opinion, Disney knocked a home run of of entertaining the parent and the kid at the same time. And obviously with being a family-friendly park, attraction, location, vacation destination disney world had to find ways to cater to many people and we've talked about that on episodes but i am at my age now there's never a time i walk in animal kingdom and don't want to do kilimanjaro and that's the same for kids because to pete's point they love zoos and this is an up close and personal view and you never know what you're going to get with this attraction so this is a really really good choice and this is a, a fun fun family attraction yeah, it's it's a great it's a great experience. You never know what experience you're going to have on Kilimanjaro Safaris. And I think that's what draws me back to it every time I go there. You you never know what you're going to see, what you're going to experience. You don't know if you're going to see lions, you don't know if you're going to see an ostrich chasing your your tram. You just you just don't know. It's a great point. I will never forget the ostrich chasing our tram and the pictures we got from it too. I mean, you walk away with pictures you cannot get out of zoo. I'll tell you that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And Look, if, if animals decide, hey, we want to cross the road right now, you're going to have to stop and wait for them. Mm-hmm. It is free. And that's one of the cool things about this ride is, you know, it's one of the only rides in Disney World that's not on a track. Someone's actually driving this. This That's why every ride truly is different. But you also have the cast member driving, which adds a little bit of, you know, kind of Jungle Cruise, great movie ride into that ride as well, right? Because the cast member can can truly make or break your your safari. Uh, that's a great point. And while we're in Animal Kingdom, this is not an attraction, but I do want to mention another thing for kids. Uh, it's the, the Boneyard it is in Animal Kingdom where they can dig up fossils. And basically it's another place where parents can sit down and kids can run around like uh, crazy little humans that they are and just have fun. I was sitting down for dinner tonight with my wife and uh, my father-in-law, we were kind of talking about the episode ahead because I, I told them, you know, what we were going to be doing. And my wife said, we couldn't get my younger brother out of the boneyard. Like, he just loved it. And it was so cool because, you know, you get to go dig for dinosaur bones. I mean, that's all you can probably think about as a kid when you're walking around in dinosaur land. And then all of a sudden you see a place you can go dig up dinosaur bones. That's really cool. I will tell you one thing that disappointed me when I was a kid, I can remember. You can't take the fossils with you. They're in the ground. <laughs> So you're like, ooh, look what I found. And it's like, oh, how am I going to show anyone that I found this? So moving on, trying to think which direction I want to go here for an additional kid attraction. And this is one I have not ridden in years. It clearly is always crowded. The Prince Charming Regal Carousel. It's kind of one of those Disney-esque attractions. It's right behind Cinderella Castle. It was closed on my last visit to Disney, and I do know they're doing a lot of renovation to it. So if you're going here in the near future... 
apologize in advance, but it definitely provides maybe not so much enjoyment for the adult, but it is really special for kids. I have a problem with this because when I go to Disney World, I want to see something different. And I don't feel like the carousel here is that much different than any carousel you can ride anywhere else. We'll see. I disagree. I mean, but you look at a ride like Dumbo. Okay, yeah, Dumbo is your typical fly around in a circle ride, but it's Dumbo themed. It's Disney themed, right? I don't know that the carousel is, I don't know that the carousel does it for me. And where I disagree, and this is what I was going to say just a second ago, you're never going to have the ambiance. You're never going to feel like you're, you know, in a king or queen's like court. I mean, you have Cinderella's castle in the backdrop, all the ambiance of just being in fantasy land. It can really just take you back to, you know, being a child, you know, forgetting that this is just a regular carousel that, you know, you used to see at your local mall or we live close to Myrtle beach. So something at the pavilion or something like that. I just think it's a completely different ride experience, which is why that, that carousel is so popular. Uh, another piece of the carousel that we, we haven't necessarily hit on the sword in the stone show that it's held out front. That, that, all honesty, that's something that kids really enjoy. And I remember being fascinated as a young child that a grown man, adult, could not pull the sword out, but a kid magically will be able to. That was something we used to rush into Magic Kingdom to try and see as kids and try and get chosen as the, the one who would pull the sword out of the stone. So that's another thing over there. If the carousel is closed, I can confirm they still do that show because I saw it on my most recent trip. Have you ever pulled the sword out of the stone? I was never selected in all my trips to Disney World. Pete, have you? I have not. No. Moving on, who's got a, who's got another one to throw out there? So I think we should um we should kind of tag team this ride, and it's in two different parks, but we've talked about in the past. They're kind of the same idea. You have Toy Story Mania, and you have Buzz Lightyear, um, both Toy Story themed, both kind of shoot 'em up games. But these are rides that your kids are going to love, and as an adult, you're going to love it too. Um, so if you're not planning on doing these rides, please make sure you do. I mean, I don't think you can avoid Toy Story Mania. I may be leaning, this is weird for me, but I may be starting to enjoy Toy Story Mania more than Buzz Lightyear. And don't all gasp at once, but it's a really, really fun attraction. You know my opinion, right? They they need to get rid of Buzz Lightyear and, and they've got Toy Story Mania now. I don't know what was different, but this last time we did Buzz... And for the listeners, I did get 999999 However... As expected. It just felt like it was in worse shape. And when we were going through the queue, it was a really, really short wait. We actually, I believe, did it a couple times. But you know the animatronic Buzz Lightyear that's at the front? Well, he did something with his hand, and his hand just starts hanging off. And I looked at my wife, and I said, Do you, did you see that? Depending on where he put his hand, it would flat back close, and then it would flat back open. <laughs> and it was just... And we, we didn't, we, I don't, I'm sure Disney addressed it at some point that day, but I don't know. It just seems run down. It, it's not a new attraction anymore, right? The, it, they've done a good job with the upkeep of the interior of the ride, I feel like, but it, but it's dated. I mean, this ride has been around since what, 98? I, you know, I agree. Let me, let me, yeah, let me clarify. I think the, the ride vehicles are where it feels the most dated to me. The guns are very loose. The joysticks are extremely loose. The, sometimes the guns don't work. That's where my concern is. I'll tell you a quick a quick story here. Gosh, I, I don't know how many years ago now. The very first time that the iPhone came out, and our younger listeners are probably thinking to themselves, an iPhone's always been here. Well, well, no, it hasn't. That was the first time I saw an iPhone, and I was in line at Buzz Lightyear waiting to go in, and I just thought that was the coolest thing I had ever seen. But you think about that, you think about the amount of technology in that iPhone versus the amount of technology in Buzz Lightyear, and I think that kind of talks to Pete's point. 
Yeah, this ride is 20 years old. How how much fun is it if you go on this ride and your gun doesn't work? And I, what does Disney do? I have no idea. Do they do they just let them jump back in line at the front of the line and do it again? So Buzz Lightyear can drink now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think this ride opened in ni- 1998, right? Regardless, uh, you get our point. I mean, it, it is it is dated, and and that's not the, the premise of this episode because it's still kids still love it, right? And I would say I would lean more towards Toy Story Mania for the overall enjoyment of everyone. Not that I don't personally enjoy Buzz, and and I think everyone can. But kids are very technologically sound these days. It's almost like they're born knowing how to use a cell phone or electronics. And Toy Story Mania is probably more up, I would imagine, a kid's alley than Buzz Lightyear is these days. Uh, yeah, just to that point really quick, I know we're going to tie this these particular rides up. I bet the kids are better than the adults at Toy Story Mania. And the adults are better than the kids at Buzz Lightyear. Just that technology gap and how quickly kids have adapted to new technology versus adults. Well, no, it's interesting you said that because every time that I ride Buzz Lightyear, I can hit 999,999 points every single time. But I'm not good at Toy Story Mania at all. I don't know why that is, but I'm not. I'm the same way. Pete, I'm the same exact way. My wife destroys me at Toy Story Mania. All right, well, let's move on. I think this next ride has to be on here just because of the queue. Disney redid this queue. They added a lot of interactive elements, a lot of play space for the kids, and that is Winnie the Pooh. Okay, I actually thought you were going to go a different direction until you said play space. Until you said play space, and that's when I knew you weren't going to say Peter Pan. Yeah, same here. I agree that Winnie the Pooh, the attraction itself, is really, really fun, especially the scene where you are bouncing with Tigger. But some of the in the queue, some of the technology and the touchscreens don't work that well. You're right, and I think that's a problem. I mean, that's a problem on Seven Dwarfs Mine Train too, right? Some of the stuff doesn't work. It's a problem on Haunted Mansion. Anything where Disney has interactive elements that a ton of people are interacting with, it's going to be broken sometimes. But aside from that, I agree. I mean, the playpen right there, and I did notice on my last trip, there's a meet and greet for Winnie the Pooh and friends. Typically, you get Pooh, and then I don't. It's just kind of random who else pops up there. So it's a really good area for families and for kids. And I agree 100, percent Pete. That was a good good choice. And the ride doesn't hurt either, right? The ride is great for kids. It's it's got enough. You think of your typical Disney dark ride. You're on a track. You go straight through. This has got enough elements where you're bouncing around or you're turning around sideways or, you know, you go through the hef. I know the heffalumps and woozles scared you. <laughs> well, I was going to say that song's a little creepy and I don't, you were just talking about an attraction that has music for a small world where kids can sing along. Winnie the Pooh's the same thing. I mean, everyone knows the classic Winnie the Pooh song. I'm not going to sing it. I don't want people to have to turn down their radio right when I start singing <laughs> but everyone knows the the Winnie the Pooh jingle so yeah it's a good it's a good ride for kids I will say that the Tigger portion where you start bouncing greatest use of of that technology that I've seen really yeah really really takes you into the scene there and and it almost feels as if that's what it would be like to bounce around with Tigger staying in I want to stay in Fantasyland for one minute because and and I just alluded to it especially when you talked about the queue Peter Pan's another one I think you, you should look to uh, with a family and with kids. Now, I will warn you, the attraction itself is dated uh, because it's it's an older attraction at Disney World. The queue is absolutely fantastic. And this is another one that most kids register with. I know that Frozen, Moana, and all these other attractions and movies have been big for Disney, but Peter Pan's a classic, and this attraction is a classic. And this is another one. You look at the wait times, 
and it, it dictates that this is one of those top rides for kids, for families, adults enjoy it, and, and this has to be on the list. Yeah, and the, the queue has done a lot for this, right? Because the queue used to spill out into Fantasyland. I mean, this this ride has never had a short line. And it, it, it never will. I, I, we, we, I think I texted you happy that I landed a random fast pass for it on my last trip, and we did it. And I still got off the attraction and said, man, I cannot believe there's a 70-minute wait or 90-minute wait, whatever it was then. But but since they've redone this queue, it's gotten even longer. And and the queue is the queue is great. The queue is totally worth waiting in once. Now, I'm not saying that I would wait 90 minutes in this queue, but if you can if you can hit it early in the morning when there's a 20, 30, 40 yep. minute wait, it's it's worth going through. And the ride itself is is classic Disney dark ride. And I will point out that FastPass line does not take you through the portion of the queue he's referring to. Uh, and then another thing, when you're talking to kids in Peter Pan, an, uh, an odd thing that happened on my trip with my wife, we were actually walking up to Peter Pan and saw Peter Pan uh, himself. And he he looked at us and someone was talking to him, interacting with him. And he said, well, I'm meeting people here now. And no one was in line and no one was meeting with him. He goes, hey, does somebody want to take a picture with me or come, <laughs> come up and say hey to me? <laughs> Uh, because there was no formal meet and greet set up. He was just kind of out and about. And one family jumped, you know, grabbed him. And then, of course, you know, Disney World people, everyone just kind of circled him. And I, I'm sure he had a rough day after that. But it's just another point that that's a really, really good area for family and for kids. That is funny. And, and I mean, I can't help anytime anybody thinks about Peter Pan, you know, getting onto the ride, starting the ride and lifting off over London. Quintessential Disney right there to me. It's awesome, and I think on both these rides you're kind of talking about Winnie the Pooh and Peter the Pan. I think you're going to see an increase in popularity of these rides, especially with the upcoming Christopher Robin movie, and there's going to be a live action of Peter Pan as well coming, but I agree with you guys. The, both those rides, just great. The last attraction that I think we agreed to hit, and I'm going to go ahead and say Seven Dwarfs is not on our list because... Which, which okay, I, I, would, I would say... This ride in the Seven Doors should probably be tied. Well, I, I'm going back, and, and I, th- I know we talked about what do we enjoy as kids, and, and Goofy's Barnstormer was one of them. What age, where is the age cut off? I mean, do you think the same age kids, at minimum, can ride both? I, I think so. I mean, I, I don't think that, I don't know what the height requirement is for Seven Dwarfs, but I don't think that it's any higher for Seven Dwarfs than it is for Barnstormer. I mean, Seven Dwarfs, to me, is a lot easier ride than the Barnstormer is. Tommy, you rode Barnstormer recently, right? I'm too big for Barnstormer these days. And it was so slow that day at Disney World. The cast member was like, you just want to stay on? I was like, no, no, I'd like to get off. <laughs> but but you didn't... I mean, it was a rough ride when you went on it, right? I mean, I agree with you from like a a ride experience. Certainly, Seven Dwarfs is, is smoother than Barnstormer, but... Yeah, but if I'm five foot five, five foot even Goofy's Barnstormer is not really going to be that rough a ride. I think Goofy's Barnstormer should have a height limit on the, on the tall side. No, I think it for does. reference, I think, and, and I just pulled some quick height requirements. This is real fast. 35 inches or taller for Goofy's Barnstormer. And this has to be incorrect, but I'm, I'm, I'm showing any height for seven dwarfs. 38 for seven dwarfs. Well, then that's, that's kind of my point. Pretty much. So pretty much anybody can ride both of them. Yeah. So if we're going to discuss them in together, if that's if that's the argument that's been made, again, wait times really dictate this at Seven Dwarfs. This is uh, and Pete alluded to the queue there. Barnstormer, you, you actually if you if you're trying to do a, a children's roller coaster and you're not so sure how your kid could react, go here first because you're going to wait five minutes. 
instead of waiting 90 and a kid screaming the entire time on the mine train, you wait five, it's a like a 20 or 30 second roller coaster ride or a minute, whatever, however long it is. And then you're done. And if the kid, if your, if your kid didn't like it, at least it, it wasn't something you spent a lot of your park time waiting for. Go barnstormer first. If they love it. Then, then ratchet up and go to mine train. Any, any honorable mentions that we didn't hit? Yeah, I have one and it's the theme of this episode and it's very pertinent since I have a almost two year old daughter and we will be going here soon. It's Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique. There are, and, and I didn't know this. There are actually two Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique locations at Disney World. There is one at Disney Springs, which does not require park admission. And there's one in Cinderella Castle. To me, I can't think of a more quintessential location to take your kid for a princess makeover than in Cinderella Castle. So I guarantee you that's the one that we'll be doing. But there is another option at Disney Springs that does not require park admission. Do we have time for me to tell you a really funny story about this boutique? We've got all the time in the world. Go ahead. On the trip that we went on in December, and if I may have shared it then, but I, it's definitely time to share now if I had not. We were on the monorail one of our last evenings at Disney World, and this family of four, it was a little girl, a little boy, got on the monorail, and we got to talk, and I, I had a, a shirt on, uh, and it was a shirt that referenced where this family originally was from. And so we started talking. Did you know they get their kids' haircuts at Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique 100% all the time. And I asked the guy, I said, this has to be more expensive. And he said, no, it's actually one of the cheaper places in the Orlando area to get little boys' haircuts, as long as you don't do the whole princess style of it. Yeah, you can get you can get a haircut for $20 for, was, a, for a boy. It was $20 for his son, and his daughter actually did not get a haircut this time. And basically, the mom and the daughter went and rode attractions. They were annual pass holders that lived in Florida. And the dad and the son waited. And so, the, you know, you talk about it. I can remember as a kid going when my brother had to get a haircut. It was like the most miserable thing ever. But imagine if you got to go into Magic Kingdom, and your brother's getting a haircut, and you're just running around in fantasy land or meeting characters. And so they actually, so they, they come, you know, that's one reason they use their annual passes. They want to be in the parks and whether, depending on which kids getting the haircut, the other one just gets to kind of run around. I'm glad you shared that. That's so off the wall from anything I would ever think of myself. But yeah. wow, that's good. Cool. Yeah, the family was originally from South Carolina and that's kind of how we got it going. So a little bit of background, what Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique is, it's, it's hairstyling and clothes, right? So it's it's basically for little girls. You, they do have some some boys options, but they're a lot more simple than the, than the girls options. So you can do anything from a little bit of hairstyling up to the uh, I think it's the Princess Signature Collection makeover, where they actually they do your hair, they dress you in a a princess gown, they give you a crystal tiara, they do your face makeup, they do your nails. And I guarantee you that's what I'm going to be doing when, when my little girl and I visit uh, Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique. This is the quintessential little girl spot to visit at Disney World, I think. Again, $20 haircut for boys. And, and, and they do sell another package that comes with a, a sword and shield and you get a haircut and other things. But, but, but mainly for middle, little girl. You know, I'll tell you, though, I mean, the, the kid, the, the dad said it's a, the place cuts his kid's hair better than most places he, he goes to and... Of course, that's fun for the kid. They always kind of get a little treat on their way out of Disney World. And they had their, I don't remember if it was cookies or whatever. And they were actually going to dinner at the Contemporary where they parked their car. And just uh, ended up being a pretty cool, pretty cool little experience. That is cool. That is cool. So if you have a little girl, ages 3 to 12, because that's all that's allowed here. Bring her to Bibi Bobby Boutique. Bring your wallet. You're going to spend some money. 
so I can't go there at this age. Uh, no, you would be you would be denied. Uh, your wife would be denied as well. I would be denied, and so would my wife. My little girl would actually be denied at this point as well because she's not three yet. But we will get there, and we will go to Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique, and Daddy will get her a makeover, and I'm excited about it. She'll be my little princess all day. All right. Well, now that everyone's crying a little bit, is there anything? <laughs> is there anything else left for the episode here? Before we um, tie this episode up, I would like to um, give a quick shout out to um, one of our good friends on Twitter. This is Disco Yeti, and his um, username is at Guys Guide to Diz. He's given us a lot of love on Twitter, and we just want to throw out a quick shout out to him. And as always, we want to thank our podcast sponsors, Destinations with Character and Kingdom Strollers. We're going to throw this over to, um, I guess, what, Tom with the secret? Yeah, let's go uh, Let's go right into Tom with the secret and trivia question. Yeah, going to hit the secret of the night trivia question from last week and then the trivia question for this week. Uh, so a little unique tonight. Our, our secret and trivia question are going to kind of be one item here. Uh, so I'm going to start with the secret. Spaceship Earth is arguably one of the most recognized man-made structures in the world. And it, at the height of 180 feet, with a diameter of 165 feet and a circumference of 518 feet, it weighs almost 16 million pounds. So that's pretty crazy when you walk when you walk under that. Glad the uh, glad the the stilts. There's got to be a better word. The the the, the support <laughs> stilts fall because that would hurt. Here's where we turn into the secret or, or the trivia rather. And you notice the tiles are kind of oddly shaped. They're they're actually triangles that are on the spaceship spaceship Earth uh, on the on the exterior. But here's our question for you. How many tiles are there on Spaceship Earth? We've given you the dimensions of the exterior and all the fun facts about the weight and circumference and diameter and height. But how many individual tiles are on Spaceship Earth? I'll give you a hint. I did not know this when Matt asked me this earlier. So this is a good one. Uh, you can get us a few different ways here. One, uh, email us at mendowdw at gmail.com. Or you can tweet us at podcast. Now, our trivia question last week... And I know this was one Matt brought to us. What type of tree is the tree of life in the animal kingdom? So the answer there, it's a baobab tree. And I still don't know that I can even pronounce it correctly. This is another one that stumped me last week. And it actually still stumped me tonight too. I appreciate all the participation. Again, you guys make the difference for us in, in the podcast. And we continue to do it because we enjoy interacting with you. So please continue participating us participating with us on Twitter or email whichever whichever route is better for you again our Twitter is mendowww podcast and our email is mendowww at gmail.com that's how you say it well let's go ahead and close it out that's all for this week please tune in next week for some more Disney magic look for us on the Twitter at mendowww podcast if you have any suggestions questions or comments please tweet us or email us at mendowww at gmail.com if you enjoyed the podcast please subscribe and leave us a review it really does help us out Thank you so much for listening and giving us the most valuable thing you have, your time. We'll see you next week.